Hey Brown Girls, Ashanti here, the founder of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics. I'm excited to share that we're in the process of producing new episodes, including a special Freedom Summer series. Given the historic nature of the past couple of days, I thought it was important to drop into your feed. Vice President Joe Biden has selected Kamala Harris as his running mate. It's the first time a black woman and the first time an Indian woman will be on a major party presidential ticket. Jenny Kaplan, Wonder Me and Network CEO, and the host of Women Belong in the House, called me to chat about this historic moment. Check it out. What's your take? I mean, this is obviously a big moment. Joe Biden just picked Kamala Harris. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? It's a very big moment. I've been excited ever since Vice President Biden committed to having a woman on the ticket. It's 2020, so that would mean we would only have seen four women on a major presidential ticket. And in a year where we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and women getting the right to vote, it was exciting for that reason, but also for the fact that we're finally realizing you can't win without women. Women are the base of the Democratic Party. Black women are the base of the base of the Democratic Party. And you can't take us for granted. When I think about Senator Harris, her trajectory has been amazing. It is everything that we love to see at Emerge. We actually say she is the story of Emerge, starting off as a city district attorney, then becoming attorney general, a United States senator and now a vice presidential candidate. This is absolutely what we want for women. And she's the first black woman, Indian woman to be on this ticket. Because going back to the 19th Amendment, it technically gave women the right to vote, but we know that women of color, black, brown, indigenous women didn't get full voting rights until after 1965. So for black, brown and indigenous women, It hasn't been a full 100 years of suffrage, a full 100 years of the women's rights movement in this country. So to see a Black woman, an Indian woman ascend to that is absolutely amazing. And I'm so on cloud nine about the pick. How do you feel like the coverage has been thus far of the pick? So when we're recording this, it hasn't even been 24 hours yet (laughs) since it dropped, but I'm not going to lie. I'm already exhausted by the racism and the sexism. A few weeks ago, some other Black women and myself created the hashtag WinWithBlackWomen, and it was in response to the negative coverage we not only saw about Senator Harris, but all of the other women who were potential VP picks, just how they were being absolutely torn apart in the press. It was the exact same thing that we had seen with Secretary Clinton. And we came together because we immediately wanted to call it out. We were going to say, you are not about to do this again. You are not about to disqualify and be horrible to these women 
because of your issues with racism and sexism. And we wanted to stand with those women, in particular Black women, who are being considered. And over the past few days, we've seen more people put out statements about the media and how they need to make sure that they're not being racist and sexist in their coverage. Other organizations have formed to get behind the woman VP, whoever it was going to be. And that was just really important. We knew that we needed to be ready. And I love seeing all of these women come together. But just in the past few hours from press interviews that I've done, a panel that I've been on, tweets that I'm seeing, people are already discrediting Senator Harris. One tweet, a man said, oh, she should be fortunate that all that stuff without Franken happened because that opened up the seat on the judiciary and people got to see her through the Kavanaugh hearing and that put her on the national stage. And I'm like, sir, really? That's it. That's the reason why Kamala Harris is a VP pick. I did a press interview where someone said, well, Black people don't like Kamala Harris. Black voters aren't behind her. And I told them, tell me why Black voters aren't behind her. And they said, well, I talked to a couple of young Black women and they don't like her. And I said, so those couple of young Black women represent every single Black person in the United States of America? Is it? Black people are not a monolith. Black women are not a monolith. So for you to make that statement is completely untrue. And I just finished a panel with a Black Republican woman, and she made the comment about how they just find it ridiculous that all of these Black women are now supporting Kamala for VP that didn't support her for president. So how is she qualified to be VP if she wasn't qualified to be president? And that one really got to me. And I had to let her know that when there's all these men who are running for president, drop out and get selected to be the VP, we never say those things. All we say is, great pick because they have all this experience. They're going to bring so much to the role. Or if one of those men is picked to be in the cabinet, that is awesome. So why are we doing this to Kamala? Why is it that because she's not the presidential candidate, she can't be the vice presidential candidate? And that, to me, also shows the sexism and the internalized misogyny that women can have against other women. And I told her that if y'all are going to have that energy for Senator Harris being the VP pick, then y'all are going to need to keep up that same energy in future elections if a man is running for president, drops out, and gets selected to be the vice president. We constantly show up to vote for mediocre white men who don't even have the qualifications of Senator Harris, but yet we want to disqualify her for not being perfect. And there was a tweet that Jackie Ina, she's my favorite YouTuber. She's a beauty influencer. <laughs> she did a tweet about how black women are given no grace. And I retweeted that. And I said, I was actually having a conversation with someone. And I talked about how black women are absolutely given no grace. And this is an example of it. 
Senator Harris is not being given any grace. We have to be perfect. It seems to me, again, it hasn't even been 24 hours yet. So, or maybe it's just about 24. So it's very early days here, but (laughs) it does seem like there is this story that's emerged in a lot of the coverage that's like excitement on one hand because it's historic and a lack of excitement or people, especially the coverage saying that members of the black community are not excited about Kamala because of her professional history and this sort of like billing as a top cop. How does that sit with you? What's your take? Like, what is the deal with that? I always say at Emerge, the only candidate you're going to 100% agree on is you. So if you want to be that candidate, you need to run for office. Senator Harris, she knew when she ran for president that there was going to be attacks on her record. She addressed them when she was running for president. She addressed them on the debate stage. Some answers were good enough for people. Some answers were not good enough for people. So they absolutely knew that there was still going to be this issue when choosing her as vice president. So she's answered them before. She's going to answer them again. I think criminal justice reform, police reform has evolved a lot since Senator Harris was an attorney general. But what we're seeing is she did pave the way for more Black women to become prosecutors. And when we talk about the reform prosecutors during this time, they're Black women. They're getting it done. So if other candidates are able to evolve on issues and take different stances, again, I think she needs to be given the same grace. I did an interview last night and this came up, you know, particularly they talk more about Republicans attacking her. And I let them know we're in the middle of two pandemics. We're in the middle of a health pandemic and a racial injustice pandemic. The Trump administration likes to talk about how they've been so great on criminal justice reform and all of these things. The reality is you have not been able to bring the country together to help address these issues. All you've done is use our federal dollars to be protesters, peaceful protesters who are calling for equity and justice in this country. So if they want to criticize anybody, they need to criticize themselves because they haven't done a good job. And if I had to have someone in the White House to address these issues, I do want it to be Senator Harris. I do want someone who has that lived experience, not only being a DA and attorney general, but someone who also knows what it's like being a person of color in this country. And what that does mean when you're interacting with our criminal justice system. And for the Black leaders, the Republicans, their criticism is going to be their criticism. But at the end of the day, again, no one candidate is going to be perfect. And I hope that they will sit down and have those conversations with the Biden-Harris ticket and not make it about the past, but what they're going to be able to do during their administration to make things better. What do you think that having Harris as part of the ticket will do for down-ballot races around the country? It's going to galvanize people. You know, we've been talking about this a lot, Jenny. 
I've seen it at Emerge, especially post-2016, with all of these women running and winning. People are excited about those candidates. They're excited about the state and local candidates. In Virginia, our women who ran in 2017, who helped reshape their House of Delegates, I know all those men that won statewide office in Virginia, they won because they were boosted by women. And there absolutely is excitement around Senator Harris. I see it. What she's going to bring to the ticket as a woman, but also how now communities of color are excited about her as well. And I think it says a lot too about how their administration is going to lead and how they're going to govern. It's letting us know that they will have black, brown, and indigenous people in key decision-making roles. You know, I'm all about an inclusive democracy. Some people want a reflective democracy. I want an inclusive democracy. So they're letting us know that is what they're going to be. And so between Senator Harris and all these great women candidates, we got running for Congress, for State House, for mayor, city council, judges. It's going to be another wonderful year for women. I'm very excited. I remember when we talked in uh, March for the last season of Women Belong in the House, you shared optimism that we're going in the right direction in terms of how government is shifting in some ways in terms of representation. And I feel like this is such a good sign that to me that 2018 wasn't necessarily a blip, but that perhaps it was more of like a real step and change will be more permanent. Absolutely. And when I was talking to the team at Emerge earlier today, I told them, I said, win or lose, we need to get ready. There's going to be even more women who are going to come to us wanting to run for office. In 2016, after Secretary Clinton's loss, we saw so many women who were inspired to run because of her, to make that change in her community. And now what I'm seeing is those women who ran and won in 2017 and 2018 have inspired the candidates that ran in 2019 and 2020. So we're seeing that ripple effect of why representation matters, because they're seeing women who look like them, who have the same experiences, the background. You know, I love the moms in Congress who have young kids. Those visuals are so important to see. I love when Katie Porter talks about her minivan. I love the historic photo of Abigail Spamberger giving her victory speech and her daughter is playing between her legs. When you see that, that lets you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And we're going to continue to see all of these women running, winning, and continuing to inspire other women who want to follow in their footsteps. As we're looking ahead, I mean, you mentioned a little bit already how challenging the past 24 hours have been. It already sounds to me like it will be an exhausting rest of the campaign, just as it will also be a very exciting campaign. How do you feel? I'm still excited. You know, I entered 2020 ready to just leave blood on the floor. I'm like, I want to win. But it is going to be hard, but I never thought it was going to be easy because women running for office, it's never easy. There's 
all of those challenges that exist, there's all the barriers that exist. One of the things I say all the time is even if you have two women who are running for the same position and they're talking about the issues and what they want to get accomplished, you can have reporters who bring sexism into the conversation by wanting to talk about who looks better at the debate, you know, look at their legs, look at their hair. So even when we get to the point where it's just women who are running, we're going to have to deal with these issues. I think it's important for us to name it and call it out. And that's what we've seen in the past 24 hours. And even before we were ready for it, we're not going to let it stand that we're going to speak up. And it's also important to fight back, you know, and to be there to support those women because it's, I hate to say this, I don't see it ever ending. I think it's always going to be a problem, but it's how do we let people know that you can make these comments, but they're not going to slide and check people on their sexism, their misogyny, and their racism. Thanks so much for listening to this special bonus episode. More soon, brown girls.